Hi, everybody. Hello, everyone. Stand by for another exciting episode of the Two Half Squads. It's coming your way in just 15 minutes. What should we do for 15 minutes, Dave? You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to open a beer. I've been waiting for you. Dave is a little oh, late you tonight. Know the Shorts? I've been waiting. I didn't want to start without you because I don't like to drink alone. It doesn't keep me from drinking alone, but I don't really. I shouldn't say I don't like it. Actually, I like it. I do like it. I, I, I occasionally do it. I'm drinking no. a Hacker Short tonight. I, I'm oh. so happy you're here. Is that the wheat one? It's Vice Beer. Yep, that's, that's a good one. Did you have another one of those upstairs? I do. You want one? Can I trouble you? <laughs> no, that's no problem. I said no because I brought this dumb you ice, to the ice house large. Ice house? Yeah. Yeah, large. It's a big beer. Oh, yeah. It's that big, dumb 5.5 whatever. I had to grab it on the run today. So we think this might be episode 146, boys and girls, and it's Monday, the 10th of August, and the summer is fading away, as fast as you can say, fading away. And today we're featuring an interview with Jim Burris and a review of the wonderful product, China, Burma, India, The Lost Theater. So you have that to look forward to in 15 minutes. Well, yes. now it's 12. <laughs> yeah, 12 minutes. 12 minutes. The town, start the countdown timer. And while we're broadcasting, here, here you go, Dave. Oh, I, I didn't lose the bottle cap this time. Normally they fall on the floor behind the computer. Do you have a glass and lemon? I don't have any <laughs> lemon, no. He's just saying that because he doesn't want to go back upstairs. No. no, no, I'm kidding about the glass. No, you should have it in a glass. Okay. Oh, yeah. To see the effervescence. Yeah. You want it to breathe. So, Jeff, did you have any vacations this summer? Um, no, we are working on one. We're going to have one uh, the end of August. Me and me and my wife and our dog. And there won't be, probably won't be playing any ASL on vacation this year. Not but, with that crowd. Yeah. Probably not, but that's okay. I'm we're very much looking forward to it. Cheers. While we're broadcasting tonight, we're also in the chat room. If any of you are interested in joining us in uh, the chat room that I set up on Slack, it's quite fascinating. Well, they can't because we're not. Li- they don't know we're not live. I just put in the chat room that we're broadcasting right oh, now. Oh, right. Oh, okay. So, so those currently that- in the chat room, Mark Humphreys is in there, and um, Jackson Kwan. And somebody named Zen River, I don't know what his real name is, that's like his handle. Jim Thomas is in there. So if you'd like to join the chat room, you can go in there 24-7. There's always going to be somebody in there to chat with about ASL. Just send us an email, we'll send you an invite to the Slack chat room. We've got about 80, oh, we've got 90 people that have signed up for the chat room so far. That's pretty good. Pretty good, yeah. And it's very entertaining. And it's you're just chatting live with people. It's much better than Game Squad, don't you think? Uh, yes, although I haven't signed up. Yeah. Well, you've been busy. Yeah. You're at summer vacation. I don't like having you. another place where I got to go or to go check it or done. Yeah. But, now, it was interesting. We were at a party for a certain gentleman the other night. Yeah, Rich Spilkey turned uh, a certain age. He's was, now a man of a certain age. It was quite a gaggle. Yeah. Not... And our Liberty Trivial is a gaggle no. of ASLers there. Yeah, a good good crowd. We have a picture of us. We might post on this one think, or maybe the next one. Yeah, maybe the next depending one. Depending how that Yeah, I think out. this one will post pictures of Jim or the Jim product. Burris. Yeah. 
and so that was fun. We went to the Slack room because we had a question. Yeah, yes, we did. There, there are some of the greatest ASL minds in the United States. About five of them standing there <laughs> waiting, and there were questions about whether or not a gun could set up on a rooftop under any circumstances. Which brings up another point, listeners. Um, you heard it here first. I've got it. Folks, I've got Dave. it right here. Rich Domovic ah. had pointed out that he thought in one of the ASL extras where Holmstrom was playing uh, the other Bob, who I don't really know. I Bob Miller? That day, Miller. That they put an AA gun on a rooftop? Yes. And I don't remember if that happened or not in that game, but Rich Domovic was saying that was illegal. Yes. And, listeners, I said, well... Well, if you think, well, if you think, you you should post that on there. Just put, you know, put a post, just question it. He goes, oh, I, no. I don't want to yeah. be jerky. Yeah. Right. And we were kind of like, well, we don't take it as jerky if people <laughs> correct us. On, I mean, you don't want to have a rude comment or something. No, that wouldn't be jerky at all. No, right. We're no. asking listeners to if you're errors, you simply yeah. And the people done it before, like there's. Something about close combat and Star Kid. We did something wrong, and oh yeah, we do a yeah. lot of stuff wrong. Post I mean, that right people in there. Post it every time we did something wrong. We'd have more comments. We would have a lot more comments. So yeah, please, listeners, do so. It's a part. I think I'm considering it part of the learning community. Yeah, your comments as well as our productions. Well, and you don't want to have. We don't want to have something that we say influence people to doing playing the wrong way. Correct. Because that would be it. Would somebody might listen to that and think, okay, I'll play it that way. Yeah. So it would be a service for Rich Domovic to post that. but um, And he said he will from now on. That we, no, okay. that he knows now we will not be insulted or great. like he's trying to make us look bad. Yeah. So that was the question. Can can you? And nobody knew for sure, and nobody had a rule book right there. And so I went into the Slack chat room, and I posted that, and somebody posted And Rich Spilkey was standing right next to me. I posted in there from my phone, and somebody wrote back, that's in Spilkey Rules Table Number 21. <laughs> and he said, Rich, Rich, Rich was so excited. That was his probably his favorite <laughs> gift of his uh, birthday party. But, Jeff, you brought him a large stand-up. Yeah, I brought him a, a full-size, a life-size Winston Churchill cutout, cardboard cutout, because I, I found out he didn't have one. And now he does. <laughs> And every home should have now, one. Now, he also doesn't have a Mercedes-Benz, but I, I noticed that didn't influence you. I'm working the timeline. <laughs> I'm starting with the <laughs> oldest stuff first. So he now has a life-size Winston Churchill, and he says it's uh, he, he really likes it, but it's creeping him out a little bit. <laughs> did he say? Yeah, he did. Like, I don't know. It's too lifelike. It, it was a very good likeness. And uh, <laughs> You wait, he told you that? Yeah. And what I thought was kind of cool, it's a great picture of Winston. He looks marvelous, and he's 55 when that picture was taken. And he looks really good. He looks marvelous. He looks much better than the, the rest of us. Of course, it might be the suit. The guy, he really knew how to wear a suit. He would get his suits from, uh, where's that famous place in London? Uh, it starts with an H? or Mayberry Hill. No. no. Mayberry RFD. No. Uh, Hacker's surprise, Row. Surprise, surprise. Diagon Alley. Anyway, some, something like that. Harper's Bazaar. Incident. <clears throat> All right. So, and yeah, I brought so, him a gift. Yes, you did. 
Which is a cool gift. <laughs> I thought it was an awesome now, gift. A little cheesy because I had it laying around the house. But unique in that he's the, well, third person. First public person to get one of these. And it's the new Two Half Squads baseball hat. Yes. Baseball cap. Yes. Soon, to be, soon to be available for sale. Khaki with the original logo, with the beautiful orange everyone loves so much. It was on the first T-shirt design that we had years ago. Yeah. And can, and we I had ordered originally one for me because I got a free gift from this company. Are you exploding? Excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> one for me because I got a free gift from Printer <laughs> Studio. And then I was like, oh, I got to get one of these for Jeff. So I just ordered one for your birthday. Mm-hmm. And then I had something come and say, order this much and get half off. And so I ordered four more of the hats. Just have them laying around the house. Yeah, so you, you've got grabbed one, one of those. <laughs> Quick, said, get your hat on. Grabbed one of those and got one to Rich, and we decided to order up 30 of these things. So plus the other two left in my house, I think. We'll have 32 hats available for our listeners Let's to see. purchase. 30 plus 2 is 35. <laughs> 33, my lord. <laughs> right. And what's the price on that, Jeff? Did we say $21 including delivery? To the continental United States. Yes. Assuming that'll cost. Yeah. Yeah, and that's a we very good deal. We can afford to swing up to like nice five hats. bucks for those to ship those to you. And they're really nice hats. It's a nice canvas hat, soft hat. Um, and, oh, I said, um. Oh, I'm not going to It's okay, because that that's not the episode we're, we're yeah. worried about. Okay. But I think what's be- the beauty of a hat, of course, is that one size fits all. Unless you've got, you know, like a really weird size head. Oh, yeah. We don't have to track having uh Telling people, Excellent sorry, I don't have a medium yeah. anymore on a T-shirt. And don't you think people are embarrassed when they write and they say, can I have the triple extra large T-shirt? Yeah, it's for my kid. They probably, it's for my, it's not for me, it's for my kid. It's for me and my wife. <laughs> yes. <laughs> to wear to bed together. Yes, like, like one of those you smuggle blankets. Yes. <laughs> so the hats are nice and they should be here. They're on a slow boat from China, apparently. Well, though we, we don't want to. We heard one order was impounded by customs. Customs, so yeah. So I got this email saying, we're printing a, another <sighs> run, and we're Look sending them out. Very nice hats. That's, yeah, or was that American weird. Customs? I don't know. I'm Probably assuming. American Customs. Yeah. Hey, look at these nice hats. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, folks, um, yeah, let's say $21 donation. Yeah. Well, it's not a donation. You're getting a hat. Well, you're buying a hat for 21 bucks. Yeah. Shipping included, continental United States, overseas. You can eat, Gmail us, and I'll get back to you. It usually doesn't run that much for. Remember, you priced something to Germany, and it was like yeah, twenty dollars. I, I priced it incorrectly. Yeah, which can happen yeah. all the time. It's I don't yeah. know why it seems so complicated to, to get this stuff priced. But yeah. when I was shipping stuff overseas for eBay with my miniatures, um, yeah. It it ended up being maybe ten dollars. Canada seemed as bad as like Italy or Germany, or more expensive for some reason. So, but anyway, you can contact us. We'll try and figure it out. Yeah, we'll try. We'll do our best, or we can you know hand them to somebody who's going overseas. Maybe give a bunch to somebody at Aslock. Not give, but who's going back yeah, overseas? Yeah, maybe you have a friend uh, can pick it up. That happened uh, before. Someone said ship it to, to Texas. I'm going to pick it up. Six degrees of the... separation. You probably know a guy that knows a guy that <laughs> knows a guy. It's that's going to be to the ASL in, Open or the yeah. Texas tournament or the Canadian exactly Winnipeg tourney. Yeah, exactly. 
So get your hats. We are going to, uh, yeah, it's, it's not a donation. Well, maybe we should call it a donation because we're establishing the Church of ASL so that we don't have to pay taxes on all this stuff. <laughs> and, yes, it, it, we do have expenses to do all this. but Big expenses. Dave's, you left the, the limo? Running the guy, the in guys the driveway? In the, the guys in the driveway? Yeah. Okay. Boy. Got to pay for that. Buy a hat. Everybody buy a hat. So, what are we going to do next? Should we do some letters? Well, um, do we have time for letters? I don't. Oh, we may not have time. I don't think this so. Show. On this yeah, one. you're right. You're right. Because we've got a great interview with Jim Burris coming up. Hello. Hello, is this Jim? Jeff? Can you hear me? Yes, it is. I can. Yes. So, tell me about the tournament. How's it going so far? When did you start? How many? How many are there? Well, we. we I was expecting a record turnout, but as it. Uh, but in the end, we had about four people that pre-registered didn't show up, and some other people that I thought might show up didn't, and we're right about normal. We have 20, I think we'll end up with 25 attendants. Uh, not huge, but for the room that we have, it's a, it's nice and cozy in here. Uh, at least one game per each table, and on, I think one table there's two games going on, so people have to share. Uh, but the reason I thought we'd have more people here is the release of, we're releasing our Burma pack this, you know, this year, actually on Friday. Right. And, yeah. uh, so, but we do have some people. We got a guy in from, uh, Palm Beach, California flew in because he wanted to be here for the release. Uh, we've got, uh, Michael Rogers from Canada came down. We got, uh, two guys from North Dakota who knew that there were more than one guy in North Dakota that played squad leader, but. I guess both of them came down for the tournament. Wow. Well, as it turns out, there's a whole group of them up there. There's a military base, and the couple guys at the military base also play. So there's more than just those two in North Dakota. Uh, But two guys drove down, and I found it interesting that they drove down separately. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, maybe they don't get along. It is a long drive. It can can get... It can be very crowded in North Dakota, and you don't want to uh, see too much of, you know, your neighbors. Right. Uh, <laughs> right. You know, who knows? Maybe they don't get along, and, and it just this happenstance that they both came down. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, so we have that. And then, you know, we've got some of the usual suspects, Wes Vaughn, Doug Kirk, uh, Larry Zoot, Zoot, Paul Works, Jeff Eitel, Rich Donovic, Dave Goldman, just kind of scanning through the room here. Uh, Mark DeVries, it's his second uh, tournament. Uh, uh, Rodney Cowan, he comes over about two or three years out of five. Uh, Dan Best from KC. Uh, Yeah, Paul Works. Scott Martin. He's uh I've talked to you about him before. He's he's my buddy from college that tried to get me to play ASL years ago, and I had no interest in it. And I connected with him after not you know not having seen him for 20 years. And turns out that he was living in Kansas City, and I was going to the Kansas City tournament, and he came over, and now he's playing in the St. Louis tournament. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's and amazing. actually Scott's uh, one of his claims to fame is he played squad leader with Bendis in high school. He and Bendis went to the same school. Oh yeah. wow! <laughs> so kind of a small world that we live in. It is. It really it it really is amazing. Yes, and uh, and so you you got started. Everybody came in yesterday, I assume, and you got started 
last evening? Yes. Well, this is the second year we're doing it, starting in, at noon on Fridays. Uh, we tried it last year, and everyone yeah. really liked it because you, two rounds on Friday, two rounds on Saturday, and one round on Sunday uh, allows Doug Kirk, the guy who puts the scenario list together, gives him a lot more scenarios to choose from. Some bigger ones with some, you know, that aren't so dicey. When you try to get three rounds in a day, you end up having to, at least one of the rounds and maybe two of the rounds, you got a lot of small scenarios that, you know, you break the main gun on your Panther and your, you know, scenario's over type type scenarios. Right. Yeah. So, but these right. bigger ones, you can come back from a few bad die rolls and it's a little more relaxed play. Uh, you can, you can get done. You can go have some lunch. You don't have to say, oh crap, I got five minutes to go eat lunch before the next round starts, you know. And there's, and it's easier on me because there's less possibility of the of need to adjudicate a scenario or a, a game. Um, yeah. So we, yeah, so we started on Friday at noon, but a lot of guys, because we're starting at Friday on noon, come in Thursday night. I was here Thursday night getting things set up, and half the room was already filled with guys' stuff, getting ready for, you know, that wow. was Thursday night. Yeah. Uh, and then two guys came in and they started playing at like 9 a.m. and they were done. They were done with their scenario before noon, when it, the first round was officially supposed to start. How about that? And was, so, uh, so what did they do then? Go to the? I mean, they can't play I the think next they round. Start, well, they started drinking. <laughs> oh, okay. Yes, that's a great right. filler. Yeah, you know, a lot of people will bring a small game, you know, something short yes. to play. But I think drinking is, is yeah, or, or or both at once. A little combination. Yeah. Or both at once. Combine sure. two two of your Why favorite not? loves, you know, gaming and drinking and. Yeah. Um, so I hope they're serving up plenty of the local brew. I know there's some good. Yes. Some very good local breweries in St. Louis. Well, the, well, my favorite is Schlafly. Uh, I sent you guys some beer a while back, but uh, you know, yes. But the, right. our hotel, the way it's set up is, is the room isn't huge. So if, you know, with twenty four, twenty five, if we would have had a record number, we would be tight in here. Uh, but so uh, right next door is the bar. You know, you walk right out of the room and. Ten feet down, and on the right is the bar. So, as soon as people want to start drinking, you know they can. As soon as the bar opens, uh, right around the corner is the Chili's, and then across the parking lot is five or six other restaurants. It's uh, I, I love this location. We've been doing it here, well, every year but two, uh, and we'll be here as long as we either can accommodate the room can accommodate us. If we get too large, which I don't fear that happening. Uh, or for some reason the the hotel management changes and they start charging us more money than they are. We'll be here, you know, as long yeah. as we're doing this tournament. Now I know, you know, having been to the other uh, some other tournaments, I know how dedicated ASL players are, and obviously just by the fact that they come from North Dakota and drive, or come from Southern California, right. or whatever, you know, they're serious about playing ASL. But is there other stuff to do? In St. Louis, that's World War II related. Oh my! Are there museums? Well, there's and that kind of thing. I mean, I know there's the Churchill Museum. Well, you uh, actually the the National Churchill Museum for the United States is not far from you. Oh, now you're asking some in, questions that I in, that there's other people in this room that would be better to answer. World War II related. Let me let me go ask Brett real quick. Well, Okay, he, he said that there's an armor preservation society that has a 
uh, World War II Armor Preservation Society has their show in St. Louis every June at the Jefferson Barracks Memorial. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Oh, he, he says of oh, the jeeps and M8s, and it's a, they do World War II reenactments with half tracks and tanks, and uh, at the Jefferson Barracks every June. I, I don't. I I'm, I wasn't okay. aware of that. There's other. Uh, other people in the area probably know more about stuff like that than I do. <laughs> well, I know, and uh, a lot of people play squad leader. I mean, you don't have to have obviously an interest in World War II history necessarily right. Right. to play it. It's it's one of those kind of games, and I know there are people that uh, that you know are are real history mavens, and there there are those that are not. Right. So I just thought it was. Uh, you know, if somebody's coming into town, if there are other things to do, there's, um, and I do, I do recommend that trek to Fulton to see that the Churchill Museum. It's really right. Trip. Fulton is uh, actually out near where I live. It's closer, you know, it's west, probably from yes. here about an hour and a half west of St. Louis, maybe maybe two hours. Okay. Yeah. 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 I'll have to now that you mention, I'll, I I drive by there quite often, so I'll have to. Take a look at that. It's really funny because, you know, I, I was went there a few years ago because my daughter was going to college in Columbia, okay. Missouri. Okay. And so driving down from Chicago, we drove right past Fulton, the Fulton exit off yeah. the highway. So, you know, I stopped in there and saw the Churchill Museum, enjoyed that. And there was a nice uh, art uh, exhibit by Thomas Hart Benton, who did a lot of uh, World War II art when the when they were building a lot of the uh, landing craft and stuff like that along the Missouri uh-huh. River. Anyway, uh, we mentioned it on the two half squads, and we put a link to the Churchill Museum on our website, and now we are, as as a result of that, somehow the Churchill Museum saw that, and they have added, they've linked us to their website. Wow. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, apparently they don't have the and requirements. It's a little embarrassing yeah, because... <laughs> it's a little embarrassing because... I would hardly, you know, put us in the same league as the the National Churchill Museum, but yeah. here we are linked to their well, website. Well, apparently they don't have the requirement that you that you produce a product to be linked to their website. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, you know, that's that's an that's very yeah. interesting. I should I should put that somewhere. Yeah, I know exactly where to put that. So, uh, all right. So, round one is going on this round, morning, and have you had any uh, any f- or round round three rather? Yeah, round one for the day, but round Correct. three so far for the tournament. Are there any uh, people that are that are way out and uh, way out ahead? Any clear well, winners? Well, I'll just yet? list off the end. We've got six starting this round. We had six undefeated players. We had well, I'm I'm including myself, but I won't uh, I won't list me. Uh, Rich Tomovic, Jeff DeYoung. Jeff Itell, Paul Works, and Mark DeVries are, are five participating undefeated players. I don't I don't participate in the tournament. I just play pickup games. Uh, yeah. And Wes Vaughn is our highest-ranked one-loss player. So we've got basically three games going on right now for people that have a uh, have a shot. And as the way it'll turn out, we play on a points system, just like I think the Chicago tournament does, uh, it's very likely that there will be, the winner will have one loss at the end of five rounds. So after that, it goes to a point system. 
obviously, if you manage to win all your games and you're undefeated, you will be the champion. But uh, there's in this game, as you know, the dice are can play a, a role in the game, and we have some good players. So you know, anything can happen. Now, uh, last night, were there uh, any players playing very late into the Yeah, night? well, not typically. I'm here in the past. I've been uh, I've been in the room. I don't leave until the last person's done because I have to do the rounds for the next morning, and it may be two or three in the morning before I leave. But with the new, with the new uh, two starting on Friday at noon and only doing two rounds per day, uh, we were, I was in bed by one thirty. And that was, and that involved oh, okay. some drinking after everyone was done. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, which brings me to that: are, are there any young players there? No. You know, young being relative. But... I'm looking around <laughs> okay. the room, and no. They, and no. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm kind of looking around the room, and and I may very well be one of the youngest ones in the room. <laughs> right? Or you know, most of them are okay. are, so, old, are my age or older. What are you? Are you? You a, should call for a. a Okay, yeah, we got, we got, I'm looking, just right in my area, we've got one, two, well, Doug's younger than me by a year or two, Doug Kirk, and my opponent's 49, the two guys sitting across the table, they're both 49, Scott Martin and I, we went to college together, he's my same age, Wes is, Wes is 50, and then there's, you know, some guys that are in their 60s here, so, yeah, but, but I'll just say, and nobody, nobody under 40, well, there will be. So probably uh, not a lot of groupies or prostitutes hanging around. Uh, no, uh, like the bars right next to us, and <laughs> we'll see some uh, some young women will walk by and kind of poke their head in and look around and and uh, just kind of shake their heads and walk on. And yeah. uh, of course, no one in here is yeah. interested because we're playing ASL. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Got your priorities straight, right? Guy. Yeah. yeah. Well, as you mentioned, you know, we are getting older. <laughs> yes. <And> our priorities. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes. Exactly. What's the What are the biggest scenarios you've got? Are there some long ones there that people have elected to take on? Uh, yeah, I'm playing. Mine's the one we're playing seven and a half turns. I can kind of walk around the room here. Uh, we're seven and a half turns. We're, well, hunters at, at Lima. There's another hunters at Lima. Uh, well, Brett Avance and Kenny Willman are undertaking the our Burma Pax uh, mini campaign game, and they're in the second scenario of three. They started playing that yesterday, and they're going to play. We're going to play the rest of the. They're going to play the rest of the day today and all day tomorrow probably because that third scenario in that mini campaign game is pretty large. It it pits potentially twenty four to. 20 to 25 Japanese squads to 30 to 35 British squads with, you know, five or six vehicles per side and OBA and air support and bombardments and things like that on, on the, on the entire uh, campaign game map. So of the, if you're asking about large scenarios, that's the largest being undertaken, but uh, they're not competing in the tournament. They're just here playing the mini campaign game. I gotcha. Okay, yeah. And then the rest of them are, are probably just about medium size, because uh, they do have to be able to complete them in the time frame. Uh, a lot it for the round. Kind of looking around, we're looking at some six, seven turn scenarios. So nothing huge. 
It's almost a yeah, four four or five hour scenarios for the most part. Or less, exactly. Right? Yes. Now uh, you can tell me this because nobody's listening. Right. Are there any troublemakers in the group? <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, Larry Zoot, you know him and that Michigan group. They uh, they can cause some problems. Yeah. Uh, I meant to say, don't don't oh, mention right, names. Okay. Then I didn't mention his uh, name. Too too late though. I can't. I can't you edit, can't edit that it out. out. <laughs> so no. <laughs> uh, but no, for the most part, there's no troublemakers here. Yeah, we 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 we, yeah, we I mean, them out. The, if they show up one year, you know, they're yeah. shunned enough that they don't come back. <laughs> one of the uh, amusing things about scenarios is listening to the stories that people will tell afterwards. I mean, the gameplay itself obviously very interesting, but when you're in a crowd of people that aren't ASL players necessarily, right. it's interesting to hear about people that you know, are very slow players or deliberately you know, swapping dice right. or bumping into things or, you know, somebody who comes with no equipment, no maps, no rule book or anything, just pants. Yeah, well, it, it, that's um, if you're lucky. So, um, so uh, now how many years has, the, has this, this is the, tournament this is been the 18th going on? year. We've, but you've, you've been doing it for how long? I've been playing, Doug and I started playing in 1995, Doug Kirk and I, when uh, we were both in engineering okay. school. Uh, I met up with him, and he had this act, but couldn't find anybody to play. And I had played war games growing up, and he and I started talking about it. And I came over, and we played a scenario, and then we played another one. And then I borrowed his rule book, and then I bought the rule book. And then it was history from then on, because I started buying everything. And we played pretty consistently. Neither of us were married. We were young and had uh, some time and some money and played probably once a week. And then once every other month, like all day on Saturday. And I think he sent me the our record not too long ago. And I think we had just reached the point where I had won 192 games and he had won 192 games. So... We're like wow. close to 400 games against each, you know, played amongst the two of us, and uh, we're 50-50. Yeah, okay. So, uh, so starting in, 90, so that was in 95, and then I moved to St. Louis in 98, uh, and met up with a group of guys here in St. Louis and decided that, well, let's have a little tournament. So eight of us got together, and we at a little local hobby store and we played a one day, you know, single elimination tournament. And that was the birth of the St. Louis ASL tournament. The next year we went to the hotel and doubled our attendance and we've been doing it since then. You know, t-shirts and things have changed over the years. Doug Kirk has taken on doing the scenario selection, probably to the uh, delight of many. <laughs> Because yeah, you, you talk, you talk to sure. Bob Holmstrom or some of the guys that will be here, and they'll they'll tell you some some funny stories about some of the scenarios that I've selected. Uh, I had some crazy ideas. I went to the to Sam Uncle Sam's surplus store and bought a little blow up assault boat with a paddle, and I was going to give it away as a prize to the person who got the most people across a river in a river crossing scenario. And brilliant. Well, I thought it was brilliant. And uh, nobody yeah. played the scenario. 
So I took it home with me and I said, well, next year I'll do it again. Eventually somebody will play this scenario and get one guy across the river so I can give this darn boat away. And again, the next year, nobody played it. Even knowing that they would win the boat? It's crazy. (laughs) It's it's amazing that they're not motivated by greed the way I am, for instance. Right. Now, certainly that that particular prize would be of interest. I know uh, uh, Rich Spilkey and Zach Emberton have been playing a whole series of scenarios, purposely seeking out scenarios that include boats crossing rivers. So they've played some really big ones. I, and So if you've still got that boat, you could give it to them as an honor. Right. Well, place. I think I sold it in a garage sale sometime oh, okay. in the last yeah. 10 or 12 years. But I, I think that was a, a very creative way to motivate people. It's too bad nobody took you up on it. I don't know why yeah. that would be. Well, there was some other, you know, I, I liked I liked the kind of off-the-beaten-path scenarios to put in, but apparently when you come to a tournament, you don't want to be reading a bunch of silly rules. You want to just sit down and play what you know, especially back in those days when we were, you know, you were really limited on time trying to get three rounds in on Saturday. And Well, and I suppose just given the nature of a, a tournament, people are interested in yeah. winning. So, like you say, they're not interested in in, in interesting, unique, right? Well, uh, kind of uh, off the beaten path sort of scenarios. Yeah, I, th- I think that the, it's more. I don't want to have to sit down and read a bunch of rules because uh, I'll, you know, yeah. At this tournament, if you ask anyone here, they'll say, you know, what is is your focus on this winning? Yeah, of course, people don't want to. You know, they're going to play their best game, but I think more people are here to see people they get to see once or twice a year and roll some dice and drink some beer and have some stories to tell about breaking their gun, fixing it and breaking it again. Rather than, uh, Hey, I won the St. Louis ASL tournament, you know, although that, that if, if I'd like the prestige along with the St. Louis tournament to be there, but, and and in the end, there there is a nice model prize for the first place winner. Well, I know I I've seen those. We've seen pictures of those, and those are very well respected prizes. Yeah, Jeff Itell this year did a, a Chiha tank. Years ago, when I had been working on the Burma pack, I said, you know, I'm going to release this, and he said, okay. I I went out and bought a Chiha just to make for the model when you when you release the the pack. And so year after year after year, the Chiha gained a little more dust on his shelf. Uh, until this year, he's like, looks like it's going to happen, Jim. So he pulled it out and dusted it off and put the Chiha together. And so that's what we're giving away as, uh, to the first place winner is a model of a Chiha that sits on the Chiha counter. Expanded, blown up the copy of the Chiha counter. Well, yeah, I'd like to see a picture of that. So I, I don't know if you if you get a chance to uh, yeah. take a shot of that and maybe take a few shots of the whole okay. tournament. Uh, we'll post it along with our little interview here on our next episode. Okay. Yeah, uh, Jeff yeah. Itell, he's got his he's a he's got a nice camera. He's taking some photos of the tournament. So we'll we'll oh, we'll get a couple of those and I'll and I'll forward those on to you so that you can post those. Okay, that'd be great. So, and uh, 
Yeah, what else? What else would you well, like I was to gonna, about? Well, I was just going to mention, uh, we, it, was, it started back in 2001, my, uh, the, the idea for uh, a Burma something or other, and this year on, you know, the Friday of the, of the tournament, we were actually able to pre- present people with a, a product that has uh, finally become a reality. And it's uh, almost seems impossible to believe that it's taken all this time and, and it's finally completed. But uh, but yeah, we're releasing our St. Louis ASL Club first edition, the first issue of our historic magazine. We say first, it may be the only, depending on <laughs> how much more time I want to put into it or, and strain on my relationship with my wife and family, but... And what comes with it? What? Uh, how do people get it? And what comes uh, with it? Well, everyone at the tournament, it's available to everyone here. Uh, you can also get it on mm-hmm. our. Uh, starting on Monday, it'll be available not for pre-order but for order on the website Jagger Soft Games J A G J A G E R S O F T Games dot com. Uh, will be available for order and. It's a full-color, 60-page magazine. comes with 12 geomorphic board scenarios. comes with a historic map and three standalone scenarios that can be played on that map and a mini-campaign game, which is basically a uh, three-scenario back-to-back-to-back playing uh, with, some, uh, with some variable orders of battle. Uh, and that's what the, that's what Brett and Kenny are playing right now, and they're in the middle of the second scenario. Uh, I kind of got the mm-hmm. idea for that after playing the Kursk mini campaign game that uh, Pete Schelling put together, and I think at Journal Three. And I said, "Well, that's a really good idea." And I like I like the idea of, of mini campaign games because I don't like to dedicate too much of my time to a full campaign game because I'm like, there's too much to play. I don't want to mm-hmm. be bogged down for months on end. Uh, but three scenarios back right. to back with some interconnectivity between the two. Uh, I, I like that idea. So I took the campaign game map and the individual campaign, the individual scenarios, scenario one, two, and three, and found a way to link them so that uh, it can be played as a mini campaign game. And uh, I, I, li- I like the mechanic that I came up with. And so if we do have future products, uh, I'll be using that same mechanic and putting together another historic map and other linked, three-scenario linked campaign games. Oh. Yeah. Well, what makes this different from a campaign game in that there is no refit phase or I guess depending on who you talk to, what, you know, what that phase is between mm. scenarios, mm-hmm. uh, you clean the board off. You pull out the next, and the one that I've designed, you, you clean the board off, you pull out the next scenario, and you repurchase your entire order of battle for the next scenario. And so there's no, you know, you oh, don't say, I oh, I've okay. taken this ground, uh, I'm going to, you know, mark uh, tactical locations and define no man's land and roll for the mobile AFEs or anything like that. It's a, it's a whole new scenario. So in that light, it's real similar to what Pete Schelling did, which is three individual scenarios that you play uh, completely separate from the others, but they do have 
you know, you're keeping track of points over time or, uh, you know, if you win one, you get some benefit in the next one, of, you know, somehow or yeah, something like okay. that. Mm-hmm. So, so it, it's, um, so it's a, so it's not a, it's not what you would call a campaign game in that regard. It's that's why I call it a mini campaign game. That plus yeah, that plus it's only three okay. scenarios. Right. So I'm, okay. I'll be interested to to hear what people have to say about about that when uh, if if and when it gets played. I I put it in there because a lot of people are like oh I'd like to play that, but then uh, you know in reality how many people will actually play it is another. I'll be interested to see. One, how many people play it, and two, what what people think of it. Well, I hope it turns out well. I mean, we had fun playing the, you know, doing some testing for you on the scenarios, and um, you know, I think the area is interesting and hasn't been overdone, and so I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, well, I've already talked to Jeff, or not Jeff, I talked to uh, Dave, and you're Jeff, obviously. Uh, Talked to Dave and told him that I would be sending you guys three copies, complimentary, uh, one for each of you, and one to give away as a prize of some sort if you have, uh, if you want to develop some sort of contest or uh, maybe, you know, ask a burn a question on the podcast and everyone that writes in with the correct answer, you know, you randomly draw somebody's name out of that, you can come up with something and just to give away to to one of your listeners. We'll try to be proud <laughs> of our effort in that regard. It will surprise all of us if we do. But uh, we appreciate that. We're looking forward to well, getting Well, I appreciate that. you guys' uh, comments and, and playtesting uh, efforts. It's, it was very useful. Your, everything that you did really helped uh, make, make the scenarios better. Well, Dave is a playtester for has has been playtesting a number of different things, and he's very good. I think he's very good at his write-ups. I really didn't. I contributed very little after he uh, showed me what he was planning to send to you because he was very thorough mm-hmm. with it. But um, looking forward to you know, actually, I hope this turns out well and that you start on another project. Thank you, and uh, we'll have some downtime. Just to kind of sit back and and then you know right the bubble get us again, or get me again and my the guys that helped me with this uh, I you know can't go without thanking you know all the people that helped with this you guys with the play testing and everyone else with play testing you know there was uh, Brett Avance he was the the artistic guy behind it all uh, he contributed with articles he's actually a, a West Point grad. Uh, and war and uh, military historian, so he was contributed quite a bit. Uh, Kenny Willman, local another local guy, he's kind of a novice player, novice player in uh, PTO. So he wrote up a little article on you know the PTO and Japanese from from the new player's perspective, which was kind of interesting to read and. Hmm. And uh, he and another guy, Bob Zintelmeyer, the guy I'm playing right now, uh, did some did a did a scenario design each. And then Wes Vaughn and Doug Kirk and Jeff Itell really helped out a lot with uh, play testing and scenario balance and just you know ideas on how to make this make everything a little bit better. Uh, without those guys, we probably wouldn't have got a uh, a product out like we did. 
so I'm very thankful to everybody that contributed, and I will never be able to say it enough. So if you're if if, if well, they're listening, nice. I you know thank you guys. It's nice that you've got a group like that that you can that you can tap into. Right. So have you got? Uh, I know you said you're going to take some time off from it. Obviously, you want to enjoy this now that you've launched yes. this this baby that's been uh, gestating for so long. But do you have anything niggling in your head as to what you would do for well, the next Well, we've one? got a, a couple things in mind. Uh, one, when, when this Burma idea came to mind, it started off as my, I was playing my brother in a miniatures game. And I'm like, oh, this is interesting. And I didn't even know where Burma was at the time, and much less that there were, you know, I'm like, oh, I hear about all these battles that take place in Burma. Uh, I'll just throw this together and make a little short thing I can use in my tournament. You know, free scenario back to back. I'll make up a little historic map and then I start reading about it. And Burma turns out is a huge endeavor. Uh, there's the Japanese invasion and there's, you know, all the way from 40, you know, December 41 through the retake in 45, 46. And, uh, so the, there's two, there's two, areas of Burma that aren't covered in this product. Uh, it's the occupation of Burma, which is potentially something we would cover. And then the then the Allies retake of Burma, which would be like a third uh, third part to the whole Burma project. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think breaking it down into three parts is what made it manageable to actually get anything done. Uh, so there's that kind of sitting out there uh, as a possibility. And also... Uh, I've been I did some reading on a, something called the Corson Pocket, and I haven't really researched it to figure out what scenarios exist out there for that. But it's an interesting thing that took place in January, February of 1944, when the um, Russians were moving back into you know pushing the Germans back, and it occurred in the Ukraine, and uh, I think a division of Germans was captured, was encircled by the Russians in something called the Corson Pocket, and they managed to break out and uh, avoid annihilation. So that's another product that I, or another um, particular historical setting that is a possibility for maybe a next issue, uh, just to take a break from PTO and Burma. And and then on top right. of that, I'm just I don't I don't just play ASL. I play other games, and I've always had ideas for games. And uh, years ago, I wrote a murder mystery dinner, and that's that's probably going to be the next thing that becomes available. It's not ASL, of course, but uh, it'll be something that'll be available uh, as our probably the next product. It's a murder mystery dinner game for eight adults. I don't know whether there's a market for that or not, but uh, I will put it together and make it into a published. Uh, product that people can acquire if they are interested in that sort of thing. But it's, it sounds like you've got a few years of work ahead of you. Right. And uh, we were very ambitious in getting this thing done. We said, okay, by the next year, St. Louis, uh, it was last year at the St. Louis ASL tournament that I kind of woke up in the morning and I said, you know, I had an epiphany. I said, oh, break Burma into three parts and just focus on doing the invasion, and we'll get that done by next year's tournament. And over the course of a year, uh, a lot of effort went into getting it done, and it was uh, more more time-consuming and effort than I think I'm willing to continue 
you know, a, a pace at which I'm not willing to continue, I think, not at this point at least. Uh, so next year, if we get something out at the St. Louis tournament next year, it won't be as extensive. It'll probably be maybe a scenario pack of eight scenarios, uh, a historic map, and I'm just thinking maybe course and pocket, uh, historic map with a mini campaign game. So, you know, very, very light on the articles, probably, you know, fewer, fewer scenarios and, uh, put it out in a in not quite as a large of a pack of of things in the pack you know articles and whatnot so but but that that you know I think even trying to get anything like that done in a one year time frame is still you know, I have a whole lot more respect for the people that do this that do put this stuff out bounding fire and you know, George Kellen, I don't want to leave anybody out, but, you know, even the East Side Gamers and Friendly Fire and... Right. Uh, and in, and, and in the M&P, you know, when they're putting something out, you know, they put together that, or they put out the Hakapale and uh, the, the, the undertaking that went into that is, you know, unless you sit through, unless you go through it like I did, you don't really have a full appreciation of what, of everything that's entailed and doing something like that. Well, I suppose your opponent there is waiting for you to uh, bring your tanks yes. on. Yes. I warned him ahead of time that uh, I would be taking a break to uh, to talk to you guys. Okay. Well, we're glad you did. Well, I'm glad I we thought. could finally get together. I know uh, I've had a few things at work, and you've been on vacation, but it's been a few yes. days since the... Uh, St. Louis tournament, so we're here to do a little chit chat about the the wrap of that, how that turned out. Yeah, it well it turned out great. It was a very good tournament this year, and uh, I think everybody had a good time. One thing I find when I'm talking to you is that I, instead of just talking to you like I would a normal person on the phone, I'm talking to you like I'm talking to a crowd of people, which is hopefully the case. Yeah, that's true. That's kind of true. The, we participate in theater of the mind. That's a nice thing. Now, you mentioned last time that these guys had come in from out of town, and the two guys came down from North Dakota, drove separately. Did they go home separately, or did they go home together? <laughs> as far as I know, they're something? still here. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they never went home. Yeah, uh, maybe they, not. They, said they're, uh, they did mention that they, they had such a good time, they're they're going to try to come back again next year. Uh, which is that's good great. to hear. Yeah, that's great. And and from my perspective, and other people that uh, are close to me have said that you know this may have been the best tournament that we've had. It certainly was a lot of fun, uh, a lot of high energy, fun games going on. Uh, we had a couple guys come in, and all they did was play the mini campaign game out of the Burma pack, and nice. uh, the whole time. So. They, they didn't quite finish, but I went over and looked at the map, and it was uh, a lot of British, a lot of Japanese on the map. It, it looked like a heck of a lot of fun. So, Well, speaking of the, of the China-Burma-India pack, I am sitting yes. here with it in my very hands because you were kind enough to send a copy off to Dave and I, and uh, Dave delivered it the other day. And, wow, it's really impressive. This is a very Thank nice you. thing. I mean, I, I didn't... Well, I guess I knew, but you know, until you actually get it in your hands, it's hard to, you know, picture exactly what the quality is going to be like. But this is really a high quality 
piece of merchandise you got here. The magazine is great. It's very good paper, you know, glossy paper. It's like a real magazine with some wonderful-looking articles <laughs> in it. You know, it's a substantial publication. And then the scenario packed with 12 scenarios on really nice mm-hmm. paper as well. I mean, this this is beautiful. Thank you. You must be really yeah, we, pleased. You must be really pleased the way it turned out. I am. It's it's. I'm still kind of reeling from all the work that went into it and, and finally getting it out the door and, and in, a, in a finalized, completed state uh, so that we can actually start shipping it out to people. Uh, but, yeah, I... I I didn't spare any expense. I, you know, I set the price early and am thinking now people are getting a good value for their money. But um, they, the first copy of the magazine came back, and I thought that the paper, uh, the cover paper, was too thin, so I uh, asked for a harder or a bigger, a thicker cover for the magazine, and they came back. Of course, there was more cost uh, for the printing and and a few other things, a few other additions that I asked for. Uh, the initial print cost, but uh, overall, I, I was really pleased with the quality of of the magazine and how it turned out, and still kind of amazed myself that it actually completed. Yeah, it's really nice. Now, how does somebody get this, and how much is it? Uh, it's right now, and the pre-order price was 32.50 and that was the price for all uh, for the Alex Keys and Scott Blanton's and uh, Xavier they they get a uh, obviously a retailer's discount uh, we're shipping out a number of copies so all of those guys uh, battle school ordered a, a set of them uh, so they got a discounted price uh, but probably around the 1st of September the pre-order price will be raised to $35 not a significant increase but uh book of $35 around 1st of September. So if you're listening and this comes out before then, go ahead and get your orders in now. Uh, otherwise, the price will go up a little bit. Uh, but if they want to order it, they can go to the website, jaggersoftgames.com. And uh, it's still up for pre-order, but that's kind of a misnomer uh, because we're actually uh, fulfilling orders now. Uh, and some people that might be wondering, the we've already started shipping some and we'll be shipping others that have pre-ordered uh, over the next couple of days so within the next uh, week or so everyone that's that's ordered or pre-ordered will be getting a copy of the magazine i'm sure you can expect a, a veritable avalanche of orders coming in <laughs> Certainly order them while they last and, right yeah. i yeah. wrote a little editor's notes in the front portion of it. And when I started the project, really, there wasn't a lot of, a lot of uh, Burma content out there. Mm-hmm. And uh, there, there is a lot of Burma content. And as I was going through it, I'm like, wow, this, is, this would be a really good project to, to undertake. And since then, a handful of other scenarios have come out with, uh, you know, from Burma. Uh, obviously, Action Pack 9 was to the bridge in, right. uh, in, involved solely Burma scenarios. I think there was one in, in Thailand and one in China, but uh, it really revolved around the, the China-Burma-India theater and the Japanese invasion. Up into the, That one only covered up to the Satang Bridgehead, uh, which was February 21st of, of 1942. Uh, so I'm sure that uh, Fortenberry is working on follow-up to that, uh, which would kind of you know, after the bridgehead, then the Japanese continue to invade and push the Allies out all the way through 
May of 42. But, but right, there wasn't a lot out there. And, and as time goes by, people's, will people have started picking up on that and, uh, believe he, a battle has been working on the Kohima Ridge actually at the yeah. ASL open last year that he had the map out and was showing it. And, and I heard you guys interview with, with, um, Steve Bethesen and he talked about Kohima Ridge and his, I'll just say his, his research is probably 10 times what mine was. He talks about actually having visited the area and, and looked at the terrain to make the map. Uh, you know, I, I didn't go through that extent. I didn't visit Burma for this pack. Yeah. So I, I did do, I did do a significant amount of research. I have yeah, I'm sure. reams and reams of notes on, and, and I, I tried to be as uh, historically accurate to, a, and, and I'm sure somebody's going to point out, well, you missed, uh, that wasn't the second battalion. That was third battalion that yeah. fought in that battle. And, and I tried to go through and if I found, conflicting, and I did on a couple of occasions, conflicting uh, reports in historic books or in, you know, in, the, in my research that said, you know, it was second division or it was on this day versus this day. And I would always have to go through other books and other uh, resources to, to try to figure out which day it was or which actual units were there and, and get a better feel, a more uh, dis- decisive uh, amount of content. So that I was, so that I was as, as historically accurate as I could be, and again, I'm going. I already know that people are going to find things that uh, where I've made mistakes. Uh, actually, already, uh, Rich Domovic has pointed out a, a, a minor errata on one of the scenarios he played during the uh, play test. We had some Japanese reinforcements coming in on turn three. And we determined during balance that they didn't need the reinforcements, so we, we eliminated the reinforcements, but we didn't eliminate the Japanese symbol on the turn track marker on turn three. So he's pointed out ah. that he's like, well, there are there Japanese reinforcements coming in, and you have a little symbol there. Well, there were, but not anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so we're going to find things as as time goes on, and um, the ASL community is very thorough, and I'm sure they'll be pointed <laughs> yes. out. That's putting it nicely. And that, yes, they'll, they will point it out to you tactfully, I'm sure. <laughs> Hopefully tactfully. Yeah. But it is, it's hard for a, for a product of that you've put so much work in to, you know, like, how did that not make it, you know, six people looked at that and we've play tested it over and over and, and how did we miss that? And uh, I've, I've, I've already found another one in one of the uh, orders of battle that says all infantry must enter as PRC and instead of saying as it just has an S it's missing the A ah. I'm like okay well somebody you know at least three or four people have looked at that and somehow it got past the proofreaders so yeah so get, getting back to the to the uh, tournament real quick um, mm-hmm. yes. just would like to know who won who won how did it end oh, up right yeah that was the purpose of the call yeah. uh, Paul works yeah. from Kansas City he came in and uh, went undefeated, 5-0, and uh, beating Rich Domovic, who was at the time undefeated. Uh, uh, for Paul took first, and Rich Domovic took second. Uh, and then based on a point system, Jeff Hightow uh, edged out Mark DeVries for, for third place, and Mark DeVries came in fourth. Paul Works, did you say? You say? Yes, Paul um, Works. Has he won before? He has. He's yeah, won, and he's placed before. He's yeah. a good player. Yeah, I've seen his name before. Uh, 
Yeah, he's a really good player. Uh, so no, no surprise that he was able to come in and go undefeated. You know, a couple other notables, Doug Kirk and Wes Vaughn, uh, not mentioned in the top top four, uh, were also there. But uh, many, you know, Mark managed to uh, beat West in a close one to uh, to move to move advance where West did not. And so, you know, some some good players that people might have heard of uh, competed in the tournament. And Paul and Rich, and, you know, the others managed to uh, play uh, play some good ASL that weekend. So. Yeah. Well, I, I did want to point out that uh, a couple other attendees, Dave Goldman was there, and he runs the the ASL Open in Chicago. Uh, I'll put a, a blurb out for that. They opened uh, a much larger tournament than ours uh, up in Chicago, but a uh, really, really well-run event, in usually around mid-April. Uh, another attendee was Dan Best, uh, and also Paul Works. Paul Works and Dan Best run the uh, March Madness case. Kansas City tournament, uh, usually around the first or second week in March, and, and that, that's a real similar tournament to ours, about the same size, uh, but held in March. And uh, I, I try to make that event whenever I can as well. So those two guys were there, and I'll just give a shout out to anybody that wants the tournament in, in March or April. Those are two good ones to to attend in the Midwest. Yeah, no, it's 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 all good and fun, and and we always we have a, a good quality group of people every year that, that come to the tournament, uh, no, uh, drama in, in any of the, in any of the games. So I'm thankful for that as a tournament director. Great. All right. Well, uh, I'm happy about that too, though. It doesn't make very interesting news. <laughs> maybe, maybe next year. If, you if, could if that changes, something. I'll be sure to let you know. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Great. <laughs> Yeah, we could always go I'll back and edit this. That for sure. Yeah, we right. could go well, back right. and edit this and add something really juicy, if you think of something. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll... great. Well, thanks, Jim, for the time, for taking the time, and for all that you do okay. for the hobby. It's um, it's well, always a pleasure thank, talking thank to you, you and hearing what you're up to. Yeah, and th- thank thank you guys uh, for you know supporting the you know the turn- our tournament and helping out with the with the play testing for the Burma Pack and. Uh, I'll be looking forward to hearing what you guys think about, uh, about, it, about it as you go through it. We'll give it a thorough what's in the box segment, you can be sure. Okay. All right, okay. well, have a great day and week, et cetera, and uh, we'll see you out there. Okay, all right. Thanks, Jeff. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. The fabulous Jim Burris. Yep, thanks for that interview, Jim. What's in the box? What is in the box? And yes, boys and girls, you may be wondering why the St. Louis Club's getting so much fine coverage on this program. i give you one hint. Jim sent both of us a copy of this game. Yeah. Now, how generous, wonderful, and kind is that? Very generous. So, folks, send us your product. Just email us. And and we will like you. Tell you where and send it right here. We'll cover (laughs) it on the show. That's the way you get the coverage for sure, because otherwise it's randomly whatever we happen to like and buy. That's right. Correct, mostly? That's right. Um, in addition to that information, we have a third copy, don't we? Yes, we do. Jim sent us Donated three. Donated to give away in a contest. Right. Contest yet to be announced, yet to be devised by us. It'll be devious. It'll be clever. But maybe we'll announce it soon. So if you, haven't, if you haven't bought that China, Burma, India, Lost Cedar pack yet, 
enter our contest, see if you can win for free. No Although purchase. Our turnover is pretty. No purchase required. Yeah. Our turnover is pretty slow, though, on those contests. On the contests? We don't do contests really well. We talk about them. We talk them up. We talk like we're really going to do good. We don't get a lot of entries. We don't get a lot of entries. A lot A lot of times it's the same guy entering. <laughs> Dennis. Dennis, yeah. Guys so, like Dennis, that. we got a copy for you. Just yeah, enter yeah. our contest when we announce <laughs> We it. should just call it right now. There's Dennis's copy right there. Well, you know, not everybody... Well, a lot of people. Well, maybe they think they can't win. I never win anything. Well, and a lot of time our prizes are not that great. Books that were donated to us or <laughs> various things, right? <laughs> You're so honest. Yeah. Because yeah. we, well, we reviewed the books contest, and then we can say. We got these crummy old gifts. We reviewed them and now you can get a copy that we have if you like to read that. Yeah. Or, but this is, this is, a, this is anything like that's a $30, really ASL. totally fresh, untouched by human hands. Maybe 50 ASL. I think it's 35 for 50 I don't remember. <laughs> you know, he With told shipping, me, it's going to be 50 50 There you go. To Japan yeah. or Canada. Yes. So. Here we go. So go the, ahead, Jeff. Take the, it away. This is the first product what from the St. Louis ASL group. And when you hear the, or when you have heard, since you have heard the interview with Jim, you get a sense for how much, uh, how excited he was about it and how much work went into it. And it's really quite okay. remarkable. And I... I talked to Jim during his St. Louis tournament. We did a little talk. And then a few days later, we talked uh, afterwards, kind of as a wrap-up. And in between there is when this arrived in my hands, and I just thought, wow, this is very, very impressive. Yes, I thought so also. Yeah. Shall we start at the cover? Yeah, the cover. Go ahead. Can't do a box art review. Why, No, there's no art. There's no real art here. Not really. Uh, There's a map. There's six black and white photos on three on each side of the map. Mm -hmm. And the map is cool. The map is nice, and it's got arrows, and we like to see that. I like the... Where uh, the action is. Green lettering with the white border on the black background. Yeah, it's nice. Very rich looking. And I'm wondering if Jim would like me to paint painting... For his second issue. Oh, you could for the cover. I could. You oh, could send me photos Dave. to paint from, and I can. So, Jim, Gmail me at Half Squads or use my personal email. You have that also. Don't share it with the listeners. And let's talk about. You could do it. You would really do it. it would you would paint f- a cover? Yeah, probably for free. Yeah. I mean, or for a, well, he already gave me a copy of this. I'm sure I could. Finagle a free copy of the second well, product if I, I paint the cover. I free. could paint him something for free. You're, would, yeah, yeah, if he doesn't mind well. stick figures. <laughs> and really not even very good stick figures. You know what I always told kids when I taught art? Mm. The stick figures. Mm. Can we do stick people? I'm like, yeah, you just have to put clothes on them. Right? That's very practical. That way they make them thick stick people. Because <laughs> they draw pants over the stick. Yeah. Suddenly they got a real looking person. Yes, they do. With a stick body. Uh, all right, editor's comments. Go. I thought Jim did a great job with his editor's comments. I just enjoyed reading it about uh, the production and me, his dedicating this to his brother. Did we say what this was about? The China, Burma. <laughs> the title says it all. Yeah, the China, Burma, India, the Lost Theater. Part one. Yeah. And he dedicates this to his brother who passed away December 22nd, 2013. And they used to do some gaming together. He was into miniatures, Command Decision, 15mm. I played that a couple times. Uh, so I was relating to this a lot. And um, 
thought he did a great job of, of writing up the editor's comments and giving some background there. I'm not sure I appreciate what he put here in the credits under the box art. What, the, what does it say? You don't have your glasses? No. <laughs> the artsy-fartsy stuff. Ah, the artsy-fartsy, yes. But I'll forgive him for that. Okay. Good man. First article? Did you take time? Did you get any time to read it, actually? No, I didn't. No. No, I didn't. I managed to read the entire thing. No, I didn't. And I highlighted this little part in the first article, Introduction to the CBI Theater of War. It's often called the Forgotten Theater. It's the China, Burma, India Theater. War started in this theater with the Japanese invasion of China in 1937 and ended in 1945. The geographic area was huge, larger than the European and Russian fronts. The CBI Theater makes a remarkable case study in coalition warfare, with each site having its own set of strategic goals that often conflicted with each other as much as they conflicted with the Japanese. Supporting the war effort in this theater was often a logistical nightmare, with the Allies fighting not only the Japanese, but also the weather, terrain, and other indigenous factors. All these factors make for an interesting study that offers more than a history of the fighting. And so I thought that was, and I wondered if there would be any three-player scenarios in here. Yes. You know, where maybe you, there's probably some options for that, but there weren't any in this in this packet. Okay. Too bad. And he gives the background, strategic setting, mm-hmm. military operations with the maps. Maps are okay. There's this one in color I like particularly, this black and white ones. Not as much so. And he puts these little sidebars, PTO reminders, but he also has these printed out on one page. Maybe we could read them off the page together. Okay, PTO reminder, hidden yeah. fortifications. So these are tips, I guess. Mm-hmm. Hidden fortifications that set up in jungle, kunai, or bamboo are not revealed simply by gaining a line of sight to it. Which I think I remember with pillboxes, but not with all fortifications. So I need to remind myself about that. Yeah. Bibliography on that article. And then he's got, uh, yeah, the production value, Jeff. What are you thinking? Very, very high. I mean, this is nice, printed on nice paper, uh, very clear type, beautiful. Yeah, larger print than we're used to seeing, which is good for our aging eyes, I think. And a Duel for Burma article, Brett Avance. The Type 95 Hago versus the M3 Stewart in which they laid out the qualities of both vehicles. And who would win in a duel? Which would be the M3. Probably. Usually. Yeah, I would think so. And you can tell from the chart on page 11. So that was a pretty good article, I thought. Um, the Japanese Order of Battle by Brett Avance. Yes. I'm assuming that's how I say it. And the Order of Battle is a, a little bit... Detailed. They used to run these all the time in the general and in the annual. Yes, I remember skipping them. <laughs> Gleefully skipping those pages. I, and I read this whole whole article, because you know me. I have to say I read the magazine. Yes. But and I with any comprehension? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because of the diagrams too helped a lot. So like a rifle company is composed of a box with an X in it. <laughs> which if we were good at this stuff. I tried memorizing it once, and I, yeah, I don't know why it didn't doesn't stick. It doesn't stick head. with me. Yeah, and some people, 
which is fine. Some people really thrive on this stuff. They want to know. They they like to know. And sometimes when I'll read a history book, it's just overflowing with the sixth rifle of the third infantry divisions of the fourth battalion and the thirty one division. Yep, I get. Just, I don't. I don't need to know all that. I, I don't. It doesn't. It doesn't sink in. It doesn't really mean anything to me. I'm gonna go but back. It, it, and you know. You're going to go back and memorize it, okay? It again. Well, that's a, you know a lofty goal for somebody who's never going to maybe use... approaching retirement and looking for something to do. <laughs> you can't just greet people at Walmart. Well, this is Japanese Rifle Company. Yeah, and the Rifle Company consists of three squads. Welcome to Walmart. Did you know that a Rifle Company consists of three squads <laughs> in the Japanese with the light the machine Japanese gun, Army? plus a Grenadier squad with the three. Three Type 89 heavy grenade launchers, which he's showing here, but this is not three squads in the picture. They have four squads comprising a platoon. As far as I did memorize was squad, because it pro- I'm sure because of squad leader. Yeah. Or playing other games, miniature games, uh, World War II, where you actually comprise your squad. And some of them were eight men, some of them were 12 men. Right. Squads. So yes. that I learned playing that game. So the number of guys, but I always remember like three to four squads is a platoon and then apparently from this diagram in this case three platoons and a headquarter group forms a rifle company okay and then above a company i never remember if it's a regiment or a division or whatever so the diagrams are yeah, battalion now you can use this information or... you can use this yeah. information to play miniatures games too yeah, it doesn't house, apply just to just in organizing up your oh, okay. your army groups for the for the games in Burma. I like that uh, in the middle of the articles he intersperses a picture, nice picture of the Japanese Type ninety nine light machine gun on the previous page. Yeah, and the ninety two medium heavy. Yeah, and the ninety two medium heavy, which is nice. Which it, you know it brings those things to life. Well, yeah, not literally, not as well as miniatures games. And then Jim wrote this article, Air Power in the CBI. Flying Tigers, mostly. Did you know about them as a kid? Did they have a TV show or something? Well, I don't know if they... It's possible there was a TV show. I mean, we knew about the Flying Tigers, my brother and I, when we were real little. Yeah, I heard about this, too. But I, it wasn't until I started playing Squad Leader and reading a little bit of history that I knew... That I learned where they came from, which was during this... CBI, flying supplies over the Himalayas into China to help supply the Chinese. And combat missions. And they were good from this article. I didn't realize how effective they really, really were. Their kill ratio was very high, very high, especially in the the beginning part of their battles. It's very high. I didn't highlight anything in here, but it would be like... Now, here's one. Between January 23rd and 29, 1942, the Japanese lost 50 aircraft and the RAF lost 10. And the AVG, American Volunteer Group, Flying Tigers, lost two planes. Wow. That kind of a statistical advantage. And they were a volunteer unit, but they were discharged yeah, from the Army really? Air Force, but they were kept their commission or they kept their uh, status, mm-hmm. it said. So they weren't really. Out of the U.S. military. Oh. Yeah, they still kept their 
rank status and were like earning something. I think they were paid more than a general, it even said. Yeah, here, each pilot would be getting 600 to 750 per month plus a bonus of $500 for each Japanese plane shot down. More than the salary of a brigadier general. Wow. I guess I didn't realize there were bonuses for that type of activity. Yeah, so how volunteer was it? And good illustration photos, yeah. Here's another PTO reminder. No quarter is in effect for Chinese versus Japanese scenarios set in or after 1938. However, no quarter is in effect for all other scenarios set in or after June of 1942. I will never... sense. I will never remember that. Yeah, well, you do because the Japanese, you know, are so non-prisoner taking. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I guess that's right. But the limitation on it after June of 42, I think I forget a lot. Another PTO reminder, good order elite first-line Japanese are stealthy and conscripts are lax. I think I remember the stealthy part. I don't think I remember the lax. Yeah, were we doing know. any lax stuff when we were playing mm, no, playtesting? No, and I think we had some stuff. Some conscripts, conscripts in yes, there somewhere? I, I do, yes. And the ELR, then you got conscripts in there. See, I would have won that one. <laughs> and there's a, again, sidebar note on the Type 97 Tiki tankette. It's so cute. It is cute little tank, isn't yeah. it? You could just take it home to mom. Yes. Great for getting to the grocery store. And Jim Road Air Power in ASL, Q&A for the CBI. Now, this was, I think, the most helpful article. The histories are good. I mean, I didn't really know this history very well. He's right. It's the lost theater for me. Look on my shelf. You don't you see Stalingrad. You see all this other stuff. Oh, yes. And even the against the Japanese, it's all American in the Pacific Islands right. stuff, right? Yes. Iwo, Tarawa. So he's right. So I, the history was great for me to learn. I enjoyed even the air one on the fl- Flying Tigers. And this one is really practical, how to use the air support. It's in a couple of scenarios. I, I forget how many, but read this. This, You know how, like we did for the show, talking about, it's very instructional, right? Mm-hmm. Laying down your plane, but it gets into the specifics of the scenarios in the, in the game, in the packet. Oh, okay, in the packet. So if you haven't done air power, read it things in here that i didn't quite realize i may i perhaps i don't remember aa guns have to turn their covered arcs to fire and it adds a a plus to the to kill shot against the planes right thinking oh do i remember to turn them or they always happen to be in the covered arc when i'm using them or am i forgetting that um and there's this really complicated question about leaving residual firepower from a strafing run oh which I don't think we were doing at all when we were playing all those, um, well, they were point attacks with the German planes in that big game I was doing with Dave and right. Mark. Yeah. But that should leave Resid, but it, this most amazing part, here it is. Uh, it, it, he wrote down, you know, it seems to say this, that it may not, but then it says this in this rule. I won't get the details there. But then uh, un, uh, there's unofficial Q&A exists that address this issue. Fighter bomber may not make a sighting task check against the location devoid of enemy units. However, may a fire, fighter bomber leave residual and other empty hexes along its strafing run after making a successful sighting ta- 
dash check against this enemy unit. So you can't just randomly go at empty hexes, but if you are shooting at empty hexes as part of that strafing run, that four yes. hex run, right. the answer is yes. That makes sense. And then if so, yes, then for residual placement, is the fighter bomber's firepower halved as per normal resid or quartered half for area fire against an empty hex and halved again for residual? Because mm. when you shoot at nothing, it's halved. I didn't realize it's like, that. It's halved. I didn't at all. And it is, the answer was quartered. Now, where's the source for this information, though? Source, Jonathan Cole to Perry, Co- Perry Cock and Reply, forwarded to Scott Romanowski on February 4th, 2002. Well, silly us for not reading those, <laughs> those mails that now, went back and now forth. Now, that's some research. Yeah. So I'm assuming that's a Perry says. Now, since then, maybe it was published. Maybe it wasn't yeah, published. Yeah, maybe so. We could look that up. <laughs> no, you can't, because it's. I think this is what you need to clarify it. So anyway, it gets you just read that article. Going to really help you to play out your air support specifics to these scenarios. I'll, I'll have to. I would like to read this because I use spray and fire sometimes at a. Oh yeah, man! I forget an occupied that too. hex. And then spray into the unoccupied hex adjacent to them. But if this... To lay residual, right? Right, to lay residual. But if this is saying that that's going to be halved again, you know, it's halved for spraying fire. I wonder if it's halved again for for firing into that empty hex. I'll have to look that up. That's... Oh, I I may not apply... It may just apply to the planes. Maybe just the planes, but... I need to... I would like to read this because I'd like to know about residual and planes. That doesn't... Doesn't make sense to me that there's And here's be here's a list of um PTO reminders. Now some of these were in the sidebars that we read. Mm-hmm. But do I take the time to read these, Jeff? I think they're very helpful. Yes, I think you should. Do you wanna can you see it enough to read it? Yes, I can. I can see that there are letters here. Let's see. Number one. Oh, we did that one. Number two. We did two. Number three. We did three. How am I doing? Start at four. Am I doing well? <laughs> No, I think I I think that's it. Just one, two, and three. No. <laughs> Number four. Chinese five three seven squads may not be designated as dare death devil squads. Dare death squads. Death devil. Uh, okay, I, I would forget that, but I would always reread I'm the sure dare death squads yes. when I get the Chinese player to play them. Yeah. So I would do that. Number five, Japanese light uh, I'm sorry, Japanese type eighty nine light mortar. Shooting white phosphorus places it dispersed, even when shooting it in the prep fire phase. And that's part of it. That's a Japanese ordinance note. And that's something that I totally don't I do. I skip that. I don't always read those ordinance I notes. I don't read the ordinance notes. stuff like that. Yeah. Well, they don't, you know, so often they don't really, they're more historical. And they don't say stuff like that. Like there's a rule, like a rule change right, right there. Yeah. 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 So that's. That's a good one. Uh, number six, airburst is not applicable for a Japanese Type 89 light mortar shooting at a range of less than or equal to two hexes. Another Japanese ordinance not, note. That we probably weren't... Pl- I mean, when was the last time you used the light mortar at less than or equal to two hexes? Yeah. Well, I've been a little while. Yeah. But if we did it at all, playing those Alligator Creek ones, right. the playtest for Jim... Playing those all. We got to go I'm back sure and I, replay all those. I'm sure I didn't know that yeah. that existed. 
Number seven, bamboo is inherent terrain. And a one-level, or correctly, and an one-level line-of-sight obstacle and blocks a line-of-sight that is drawn down the hex spine of a bamboo hex. Is it, oh, so it's inherent terrain and a one-level line-of-sight obstacle and blocks line-of-sight that is drawn down the hex spine. I think we play that, right? Yeah, I think we do that. Bamboo is inherent. But on the map, it, it is not, not displayed such. Correct. Yeah, it's displayed like uh, similarly to a, um, well, grain. Yeah. That's so I'll bet a lot of is. people miss yeah. that. Yeah. Marsh only becomes swamp if it's adjacent to greater than or equal to one jungle hex. I think we did know that. We figured, yeah. I, I yeah, reread the, the the rules there. I always feel so good when we do something right. <laughs> yeah. If, ah. if we hadn't reread the rules, I, I would yeah. not have been doing that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, for a fire lane that passes through the hut depiction of a hut hex, neither the hut hindrance nor first fire movement open ground apply. Yeah, we were doing that. Yeah. When we were talking about, oh, if you can shoot between the buildings, the huts. Right. Yeah. Uh, number 10, any small arms, point blank fire, triple point blank fire, Molotov, machine gun, IFE, DC or HE attack versus any hut location causes a flame in that hut if the original colored die roll of its effect, uh, die roll, that's with a lowercase dr, of its effects die roll with an uppercase dr is a one, even if it's a collapsed hut. I don't think we were doing that. We did on that one scenario. We didn't on the, the one first ones. Were, yeah. There was a, one of the later ones when we, we stopped and looked something up. And then when, oh, well, yeah, remember this fire thing. Right. I think, yeah, that was with you. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure that was with me, yeah. But we did forget it on the first one we yeah. tested. Probably wouldn't have mattered anyway at that point, but. Anyway, what that's saying, if it if it doesn't come through well uh, over the podcast, what it's saying is pay attention to those huts when you're firing into those because they can easily catch fire. Yeah, point blank, triple point blank. Yeah. So it, maybe that represents more odds of uh, sparks. I mean, what is that? Maybe so, How yeah. do you visualize that? I guess. Machine gun. I don't know how to <laughs> visualize that. Certainly DC or high explosives in the hex yeah, would, I would expect that, cause but, some sparkage and yeah. maybe burning. But machine gun... I don't know. Machine and gun, point blank, and triple point blank. I wouldn't think so, but it does. It, but no, it's any point blank yeah. or any triple point yeah. blank fire. Mm-hmm. Machine gun at long range yeah. would, could still do it. It's, right. I think it's sane. Yeah. Yes, I think that's right. Yes. When PTO terrain is in effect, all radio contact and maintenance die roll receives a plus one die roll modifier. We don't do that. I don't think so. I don't think we do that. <laughs> I don't think. But again, out of the ones we play tested, there were no radios for, no. for Jim. No. But when we were doing something before that, yep. I don't think we were. I don't think we ever did. Yeah. Oh, that's with PTO. Because I, I was just thinking back to playing Tarawa. Oh. I was thinking, no, we oh. didn't do that. But, but PTO Tarawa is not, not an PT. effect in yeah. PTO with PTO. Correct. It's not all Pacific. Uh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Even though. Uh, number 12, a support weapon slash gun recovery attempt in jungle, kunai, or bamboo receives a plus two die roll modifier. I think we knew that. I think, at least in jungle. Yeah. I'm not sure if I remembered it in the in the kunai. 
Oh, yeah. No, oh, we did. Yeah. did we? You don't want to be dropping something in Kunai. It'd be just growing right over. So, it. the three of those get lumped together a lot for a lot of special rules. Yeah. So, try and remember that in your heads, folks. Number 13, when PTO terrain is in effect, no roads exist. Mm-hmm. We did exist. that. Woods slash brush roads become paths and bridges become forts. Yeah, we did remember that. Yes. He had roads in all those games. Yeah. 14, a full-strength Japanese squad may voluntarily break by exchanging the squad for two of its broken half squads. I don't think we ever have much cause to want to do that. No, but... but I don't think I would remember that if if someone asked me. Yeah. I wouldn't remember that. Number 15, the Japanese player in a daytime scenario may always use hip for less than or equal to 10% fractions rounded up of the multi-man counter squad equivalents in his onboard setup order of battle and any single-man counter support weapons stacked with them. I think we did that, didn't we? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, 10% hip. Yeah, and daytime and Mm -hmm. nighttime is even better. Yes. 16. Each Japanese hand-to-hand attack receives an extra minus one die roll modifier unless every Japanese unit participating in the attack is pinned. Each Japanese hand-to-hand attack receives... Oh, okay. Yeah, receives we were, it. Yes. Yeah, we're doing that. We were doing I that. I never forget that. Yeah. Yeah, you remember the stuff that gives you the advantage. Yeah, when I have the Japanese. <laughs> That's right. I never, remember, I never forget that. Jungle is a two-level obstacle. We do recall that. I think, but yeah, it just yeah. didn't come into play much there. British elite and first-line units are immune to cowering. Yes. I think That's a nice thing. Because yes. you play the British so often, but yeah. now I know that. Each Gurkha hand-to-hand attack receives an extra negative one die roll modifier unless every Gurkha infantry unit participating in the attack is pinned. I think we knew that. Yep, and I never forget that. Those Gurkhas, those those guys, those tough guys. Those little knives thingies. Japanese leaders are equivalent to commissars for all rally and and purposes increasing the morale level of all friendly infantry units in the same location by one and making units he is trying to rally immune to to uh, desperation morale, otherwise known as DM. Yep, we always do that. Japanese single-man counters do not take pin task checks and do not pin. I think I remember that. I think we knew that. Encircled Japanese units do not have their morale lowered by one. I don't think I ever remember to even look if someone's encircled. Yeah. It doesn't... I, 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 I usually never get to encircle somebody. Yeah, well, maybe... In that last game, was it Mike Stubitz had encircled? We recorded it. The one he played against me? Yeah, were you up on the upper level with the machine gun? Yes, I think so. With the Polish? Oh, right. And he ended up getting around. Or no, you did the other one where he got all around the yeah. two flanks. Right. Yeah. And I'm sure someone was encircled there, but I don't remember us. Putting a counter, we on, probably but, didn't. I mean, that I, we should strategically just try and do. Yeah, much better. Japanese units do not disrupt, nor will they surrender in the route phase. I think. Yeah, I think. They I think let, we do that. Yeah, and look at that—an ad for. That's a beautiful. The now, two page thirty-three. Squads. That's a beautiful page. That's a beautiful page. Yeah. Beautiful page. Full page ad for the two half squads. Page thirty-four. 
St. Louis. A lot Louis. of people are going to discover us probably you, from this. I, I don't it's know how many. It's amazing how many people don't know about us. Be yet. interesting to, to find out. Yeah. Uh, page 34, the ASL tournament. Nice to see Jim's tournament get a nice write-up visually. I don't remember seeing a lot about it, you know, ever in print. You know, no, you see that's right. The ASLOC sometimes and, and the, obviously, board game champion and all that and the winter one that the MMP does. But uh, Wes Vaughn, I think we met him before at the yes. Open. Mm-hmm. And it gets that list of winners there. Bob, our friend Bob Holmstrom's on there, 2004-2005. Wes Vaughn a lot. <laughs> Gary Trezza won it, won it once. Yeah. We had him interviewed on the show. Paul Sidhu. Craig yeah, Walters won in 2013. And George Tornemeyer in 2014. And uh, I had tweeted out the winner this year, but I forgot who that was. Check our tweets. Yes. Check our tweets. We don't. And then on page 35, there's some uh, a list of ASL scenarios that are set during... The invasion of Burma. I like these kind of lists yeah, a lot. Very uh, handy. He, he's included beyond just the official ASL ones from MMP or Avalon Hill. There's some Schwerpunkt and FT, whatever that is offhand, I can't remember, Critical Hit, Bounding Fire Productions, and so on. And that's just for the invasion, because again, this magazine is, is about the, yeah, the early part. Early part. A rookie's take on the PTO, Kenny Willman. Yeah, how was this article? Uh, it was a fine article, Ken. Uh, for someone like I, myself, not real helpful. So again, but I'm, you know, we're playing PTO a lot. Yeah. So, but but for a person who's just thinking about taking it up, read this article. You know, more generic than the plane article about air support. Yeah, sure. Which got real specific. But it, it lays out a lot of th- things that will be different about the PTO for you. So it's a perfectly fine article. Just wasn't that helpful for an experienced player, I think. Yeah, and I thought this was good, the uh, further reading and bibliography where Jim lists a bunch of the sources that he used in compiling and uh, the, this magazine and in putting together the map and the scenarios and that. So there's about uh, 10 books or so. Yeah, and this article uh, talking about the knee mortar. Do you remember the history of that? Why they I do. called it the knee mortar? I don't really remember that, no. See that curved plate on the bottom of the yes. Japanese mortar Type 89? Uh, the U.S. people found them and thought maybe it had that curved bottom. It wasn't flat. To go over your knee. So, yeah, so I think from what I had read in other sources, some American guys like put it on their knee and fired it and some broke their bone in there yeah. from the recoil obviously not intended to be fired from the knee no it's depend intended to be fired from your head <laughs> did you hear about the guy that lit off the firework uh from his head no yeah he died like he a guy had one of these mortar a pretty big mortar firework and he put it on his head and lit it and it killed him instantly and it was at a party, and his brother was there and stuff. And his brother said, his his brother said, I mean, the whole thing is horrible, but his brother said he lit it accidentally. <laughs> I don't know how you put something on your head and then light the fuse <laughs> accidentally. Maybe he was smoking a cigarette, no. you know, and forgot he had it on his head. Maybe. <laughs> but doesn't it go, Psss, and somebody go, hey, you know, that the fuse... 
You lit the fuse. You may want to put that down and not put it on your head. Was there any alcohol involved in this party? I'm sure. I'm sure. And and then and more stuff than that, probably. So <laughs> don't do that, listeners. We don't want to hear about that. Oh, my. Yeah, then an article here, Invasion Burma by Jim Burris. How was that? Yeah, I like this, too. I'm trying to remember how it's different from the beginning article right now. And it's... Oh, this got into more of the detail. Yeah, the first article talked about the, like, theater, right? Yeah, introduction Mm. to the theater. Mm -hmm. In general, big stuff. Uh, This is specifics into the things that would happen in the scenarios. Okay. So as I'm reading this, I'm thinking, oh, I'll bet the scenarios are going to probably all be in these places here, you know. Yeah. Sawin and Bill and Rivers, the capture of Maumeen, and so on. And they were. Disaster at Satang. And I he could have even put in here like C scenario STL five. Right. Which some of the annual articles have done. But he didn't on this one, which was okay because it's still fresh enough in my mind. I read this all within two days and looked at all the scenarios too. Roadblock at Mithwafok. 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 Yeah. But watch your mouth. I will. By Jim Burris, mini campaign game. So this introduces the campaign game, talking a little about the background, historical result, the rules for it, rule one, two, three, and so on. And the tables are included here for, like, your reinforcement stuff or your purchasing, Japanese tables, Commonwealth tables. And a list of the three scenarios. Now, these are also reprinted on the cards. Oh, okay. So I'm not sure yeah. why he had them in the magazine. At first I thought, oh, well, these must not be on cardstock. Yeah. But they but are in there. the okay. scenarios yeah. here. And then uh, the, the mini version of the map, always convenient and handy to have. Mm-hmm. And Xerox that off if you want to mark hidden things on your map and so right. on. And then the last two pages, a list of the scenarios with the action the, the little... preview. The, oh, okay. By the history... Things, which you get these in the top of the scenario card. So I didn't think these last two pages were necessary here. But, or putting in the three scenarios that are on the cards. But other than that, every inch, a really fine product. Yeah, very nice. And what else comes in the box besides the, the box besides the magazine? You got that map there. <sighs> Who likes maps? Raise your hand if you like the maps. <laughs> Yeah, is that a generic ASL thing? Mm-hmm. People, even like driving in the car, you like looking at your atlas. It's true, yes. Probably. I, yep. Always a big fan. So this is a nice size map. It's not 22 by 36, I don't think. A little bit smaller than that, but it's a good size map on good quality. It's that, it's a heavy, it's a glossy paper. Yeah, that kind of. Uh, it's almost like a oil cloth. Poly, polymer. Something polymer made of acrylic paper yeah or some plasticky yeah it's nice kind Uh oh that's rice patties over there but don't worry folks you probably can avoid them (laughs) the rice patty rules oh are those tough rules i don't remember and along oh stay also just to avoid them that's a good idea (laughs) walk around them and this has the railroad which made me think, was this the one we play tested? But it's, I think it's a different part. Oh, yes, we did. But we didn't have the river. So, yeah, a little two small villages, woods around through the center, 
railroad and stream running along through the map. A little village inside the woods there. Looks cool with a path going to it. Path. And another river. So there's some terrain to deal with here on this map. Milepost 27, Chong and Mithwapfok villages. And Milepost 27, I think that was just a marker. And those are the titles of the three campaign games. So there you go, folks. That is the first St. Louis ASL Club Historical Magazine, China, Burma, India, The Lost Theater. But yeah, you'll want to grab it. It's a good deal. Yeah. Good quality product. And if you like PTO, well this, done. Is, this is a must. Thank you, Jim. And thanks, everybody, for listening. We appreciate it. Please uh, send us your email. Let us know what you're thinking about the show. Post your comments on the show. We'd like to know. We'd like to know what we did wrong. Please. Yep. We don't have a problem with that as long as you're polite about it. And we will look forward to seeing you next time on the Two Half Squads. But yep. until then, roll low and rally well. But now, but now when you're playing, playing us, us. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone. didn't work out.